Welcome to the Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Break away for nonstop chill. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready? Let's rush the zone. Here we go. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. How you doing this morning, Brian? Is that rubber band man that we're coming in with? Uh, I was, I was thinking Ty- I Tyler should play uh, tra- Tragically Hips uh, Can't Be Nashville Every Night. That's a good one. That'd be a good one. Yeah, uh, yeah We're my- done with them, right? Done, we are done. 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 We are done yeah. with them and uh, and probably a postseason chances. Well, see, that, that's the disappointing part. Um, uh, I uh, yeah, we we got to talk about everything here this this week that was, but um, a lot to dissect. I know Jeremy Carlton once again stretches where they're very competitive, if not taking the play to their opponents. But boy, oh boy, how do you only win one of those games against Nashville? I mean, because just, they're a really, really bad matchup for them. You know, they yeah. they the, the the Blackhawks had twenty three shots on goal the first thirty minutes of last it? night's game. They had seven the last thirty. And and how many times have we seen that this season where they just dominate and really have nothing to show for it and are are chasing a one or two goal lead? I, I, it's it's the the stress that you put on yourself collectively as a team when you're always playing from behind. And whether, you know, you dominate the first 30 minutes and you're still chasing uh, and, and the numbers bear it out. They've been out, out outscored every period over the season. Right. They've been outshot uh, every period substantially over the season. Uh, five on five. It's just it's it's I, I don't know. You know, it's grit and want to and all that stuff. All the intangibles are great. But at some point. You have to be better, and you have to be better in terms of goals scored and and playing from elite and dictating play that way. It was uh, an emotional hockey roller coaster this week. For you know, you get three games against Nashville. You begin the week two points back of the Predators. You need to take two of three in regulation. Absolutely need to do that. You only get the overtime win. And let's let's be honest, that was a hell of a comeback, oh, historic man. franchise comeback. But at the end of the three-game series, you get just the one overtime victory, and you lose two in regulation. So you're now five points back with eight games to go. And you don't just have to worry about Nashville. Dallas is a point ahead of the Hawks, and they still have ten games to play. So the playoffs are looking to be a daunting task uh, at best. Right now, the Athletic has them as a 2 or 3% chance of making the playoffs. They probably would not need to win six or seven of their last eight, and then hope that Nashville and Dallas stumble down the stretch, which doesn't look like it's going to happen because both those teams have been playing really, really good hockey the last three weeks. Hey, if I'm Nashville, as, as well as they're playing, uh, I'd be uh, a little concerned because they don't get the Hawks anymore. And as you mentioned, uh, Dallas has three games in hand against them You know, in terms of their schedule versus Nashville's remaining schedule. And so here here come the stars right they they've won six of their last they're six two and two in their last ten pretty much keeping pace with nashville and how nashville has gone over twenty three in on its power play in the last nine games and still i mean they have the hawks number i guess that's i i'm just i 
can't remember seeing a team dominate another team like that in a season, and certainly this is an unusual season because of the number of times you're playing these teams. The Hawks go 1-5-2 and two against the Preds. They uh, have 14 goals in those eight games, five of those coming on Wednesday night. So they had nine in the other seven games. You're not going to win too many hockey games when you score two goals or less in, uh, in, in a contest. Here's Jeremy Colleton. What did, what did Nashville do in the second half of last night's game once they got the lead to limit the Hawks offensively? I don't think we made as many plays in the second half of the game as we, we did earlier. Um, they, they really tightened up. They did, they did a good job of, of making it hard for us to get to the neutral zone. I thought we uh, took us a little bit too long sometimes to get through in transition. Uh, they were able to get set and, and make it hard, you know, have to go through four. And, and uh, you know, I think we had a tough time coming together on on the forecheck to to have two three guys able to put pressure on a lot of times it seemed like it was a one-man forecheck and they were able to break us and uh and when we had when we had a chance to to play in the offensive zone we just seemed like we couldn't protect the puck for long enough to kind of establish ourselves down there and then have a chance to break them down where earlier i think we did so um you know, we got to give them credit. They played hard. They played well. Their goalie made some excellent saves early uh, to to keep it zero zero. And then once they got the lead, it it was tough. It's tough to play uphill. The Hawks like to generate offense in transition off the rush. Nashville clogs up the neutral zone. They're big. You take a look at their defensemen, Brian. They're all like six two, six three, six six, two hundred twenty two pounds. I mean. What you need to do to be effective against a team like Nashville is be willing to dump the puck behind their defensemen and go and retrieve it and lay your body out, hit the D-man, get get in on the forecheck, and work low to high. And that's not the makeup of this team. Well, Wednesday night, Dump and Chase worked on their comeback, right? And and it's, you know, you kind of dial back to the 90s. And what Nashville did in the second part of that game, second half of that game, reminded them of the old left wing lock. I think Detroit used to back in its heyday would yep. you know go up a couple goals and that was it. They would just do what Nashville did. You're you're not getting past the blue line. You're not coming in, so you better find a way. Um, and it, Jeremy said it's tough to play uphill. Well, that, they've been doing that pretty much the entirety of the season. <laughs> Scoring chances against Blackhawks are worse than the league at ten ninety four. 1,094 now. Even the Sabres, the lowly Sabres, have allowed 1,043, 10,43. I mean, you're keeping company with teams that are nowhere near the playoffs. That's got to get better moving forward. Yeah, and, and, and it's, been a, uh, it's been an issue for them the last few years. It, the, the high danger chances allowed, the slot chances allowed, scoring chances allowed. That That is something that... We need to look at is it is it the makeup of this defensive core? Is it the lack of size? Is it is it system driven? I mean, these are all questions that that I think are fair and and, and should be examined here over the last few weeks and and into the off season. Uh, they didn't get great, great goaltending last night. Uh, Malcolm Subban got the start for the second straight game. Uh, the Eric Holla goal from the tough angle, that is absolutely one he needs to stop. It's a 2 nothing game. He gives, I mean, and again, I know they came back from a 4-1 deficit in the third period. That was, again, it was. it's only the second time in the history of the Chicago Blackhawks 
that they've come back from a three-goal deficit with less than 10 minutes to go in the game. So it, it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> and it certainly, you didn't think it was going to happen Wednesday night against this Nashville team that they hadn't scored three goals against all season. So, you know, you give up the soft goal last night. And then when Vinny Hinnestroza, and by the way, yeah, could welcome. you <laughs> welcome back? Welcome back. And maybe Vinny's getting himself a contract extension. He might mm-hmm. not be just back for. For uh, you know, a little cup of coffee with his uh, with his in laws and his mom and dad and Bartlett, he might he might be buying or uh, or at least renting something next year uh, with his fiance and their and their son Vinny Junior. Uh, Maybe but, he can get Zadorov's house. <laughs> Zadorov, yeah. Well, Zadorov, yeah. that's that's uh, he's certainly somebody we need to discuss as well because I know Stan said last week he you know he thought he'd be resigning him. Um, one week later, I think my revisit that. Well, how about Dylan Strom? Healthy scratch the mm, last two games. two games, the most important two games of the season. Now the Hawks and Jeremy Colleton wanted to go with uh, you know seven defensemen because they've had so many injuries on the back end. They they haven't gotten through games uh, with the full complete six uh, D. I'd say in uh, three or four of the last five games. So. And plus, they've got so much inexperience back there. He wants to have the safety net of having the extra D-man. And, uh, you know, he said basically Strom was a victim of circumstance. But at the end of the day, Dylan Strom coming in, when when Doc was out at the beginning of the season and Taves was out, Dylan Strom was slotted as your number one center. Mm -hmm. Then he got moved to wing. He's uh, the fifth highest paid forward on your roster, and he's a healthy scratch the last two games. I mean, read the tea yeah, leaves there. Not, yeah, what, what, what does that, that tell you? That's not victimized by the numbers game. That That's, you know, hey, you might want to take a look and take a break and reassess here and, and regroup. Uh, but eight games left, you know, all hands on deck. But the fact that you're sending that message now for the future um, tells you all you need to know, right? Yeah, here's Jeremy Colleton on the the frustration of winning only one of the eight games against Nashville. Obviously, it changes the standings that the, the fact they won seven out of eight against us. Um, we we got to find a way to. <laughs> they have a style that's hard for us, and uh, you know, I think the past four games have been better, much better. Um, even the first two, you know, I, I think we we competed hard and we got to overtime twice. Really, it's the the two home games, uh, third and fourth, where we didn't we weren't very good at all, and they they came with uh, more urgency and desperation. Those are the two that stick out for me that we're disappointed with. I think the last four we've been we've been right there with them, and uh, you know they found a way to win ultimately. So there's eight games to go for the Blackhawks. They sit with 49 points. Dallas is ahead of them with 50 points, and they've got 10 games remaining. So they have two in hand. On the Hawks, and then Nashville has the 54 points. They've got seven games to go. The other problem is regulation wins is the first tiebreaker, Brian. And Nashville has 18. The Hawks have 14. That's why even Wednesday night they needed to score on that four-minute power play and win that game in regulation yep. so that Nashville didn't get the one point. Uh, they really and they needed that regulation win because ultimately they're five points back, but they're they're really they're six points back because they're not going to be able to catch them in regulation wins. So they need to 
surpass them in, in point total. Um, so, you know, it just uh, it, the way it stacks up right now. You know, it, it, again, it just doesn't look good. So twenty-two, twenty-one, and five on the season. Eight games remaining. Leads us to our Twitter poll question, uh, and it's uh, given the Blackhawks season so far. How do you as a fan feel about the team's future? Are you more optimistic, less optimistic, or binge-watching 17 seconds? <laughs> uh, your choices. Uh, it, look, 17 losses uh, when you're trailing after the second period. Okay? And so you have 21 losses and 17 of those after – that. This, this team, even when it plays well in stretches like last night for the first 25, 30 minutes, finds itself trailing. And – they're just they don't have the skill and they don't have the skill to so any mistake Duncan Keith falling down I mean also this is a thing in the last week or two uh, how about the the helmet Connor Murphy's helmet two games in yeah, a row I, I just you know now those little things are just compounding an already uphill battle but a struggle but you know I, I to think at the beginning of the season if we're honest with ourselves, do we think they would even be? T- we'd be talking about how crucial this week that no, was. No, absolutely. If you told me April twenty second, twenty third, we'd be talking playoffs in Chicago. I'd be like, "What for the Bulls? What, yeah, what, what, right. Like, what are we talking about?" No, right. I would not have thought. I would not have thought the Blackhawks would be in that conversation. So I, I am optimistic, but I mean, maybe it doesn't sound that way this morning because I've been through the uh, the Nashville ringer over the yeah. last week. But um, I, I really do. And we're going to hear from Patrick Kane on the other side. And he's going to talk about what this team uh, learned from this playoff chase and what they still have available in front of them with eight games to go. We'll get into that. We'll get into the news, uh, the report on Jonathan Taves' health. We'll have uh, one-timers as well. It's all coming up next on The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. The Hockey Show. Presented by Coors Light. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. It is 3-1 Nashville to start the third. Jeremy Colton pushing the right button on that one, but he needs his team to score three goals for the first time this season against the Nashville Predators, and then another one to pick up the win. Here's Kane. Kane, back door, he scores! It's Wyatt Kalnuck, and a little life for Chicago. Opened up for Kirby Dock right in front, they score! Hinnestrosa has made it a one-goal game. Geared away by UC Soros. First time in seven meetings they've scored three as Kubelik scores and makes it 4-4. The Blackhawks have come storming back to tie it. The Chicago Blackhawks down 4-1 in the third period. Come back to force overtime tonight in Chicago. Sudden death, three on three. Every point of the utmost importance for both of these teams in the playoff hunt. Right down the gut, then spun it for Hagel. Hagel to the outside with a look, he scores! It's Brandon Hagel! The Hawks complete the comeback and win it 5-4 in overtime. Hagel goes top shelf, and the Blackhawks with a huge extra point with an incredible comeback with three goals. 
Historic comeback for the Blackhawks on Wednesday night against Nashville, erasing that three-goal deficit in the final ten minutes of regulation for just the second time in franchise history. The other time was in 1987 against the Oilers. Welcome back to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. Give us a call at 312-332-3776. You can watch and listen to the show on twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000. Chicago producer Tyler Aki, what, uh, what are the Twitchers saying about the where they stand right now with the, with the Blackhawks? Uh, it's pretty lukewarm right now. I'm seeing a couple of good responses. Chuck Fee23 is saying, I'm neither more nor less optimistic. They show a lot of the same tendencies that they have the last few years. Uh, Lil Kev says, I'm probably about even. This season is just kind of as expected, just on the outside of the playoffs in no man's land. And the Seabear 2 optimistic in growth and development. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand. Uh, Brian, where are you at right now as far as optimistic or, you know, uh, about neutral? Where where do you stand? I, I guess neutral because there are subplots, right? The the team itself, the fact that they're even in the conversation, as we said, that's a positive. But when you're looking at guys like Strom and, and wondering what's going on there, Boquist, when healthy, still not the player you need him to be, um, even the goaltending. I mean, the most important series, the most important week of your season, and you have Malcolm Subban, bless him, out there, right? So all the, the feel good for Kevin Lincoln and, and that he, moving forward, he could be a guy that can get you to the playoffs and, and you know maybe be a backstopper that for a team that can compete for a Stanley Cup. You have to wonder if, if that's still the case. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no question goaltending is uh, is not been solidified. I would say that Kevin Lankinen is your your best option right now as your starter. I, I'm I'm not uh, convinced that he is the backstop that could take you to a, a Stanley Cup, but uh, he has certainly shown that you know he can face high volume quality opportunities and turn plenty of them away and keep you in hockey games. So I, I, that, that's one of, I mean, they, I, they're probably going to lose a goalie maybe in the expansion draft with Seattle. That could be Subban. If, uh, if he's not protected, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And we'll get into that at a later show. What I loved about Wednesday night. And I think is sort of like the story of the season is the young guys, that brought them back in that game. Yes, Patrick Kane set up Kalnuck to uh, begin the comeback, but it was all young guys. It was it was Dr. Hinnestroza. It was Suter to Kubalik. It was Vinny to Brandon Hagel for the game winner. I mean, those aren't to bring it uh, Kane, Taves. Uh, th- those aren't the, the household names that you would expect to hear from this this type of team. And uh, that, to me, is the story of the season. The young guys, the pieces that emerge. Now, again, they've got a lot of question marks, but there are, to me, there are a few pieces that have come to light here over the last few months as building blocks for a championship team. And I think Brandon Hagel is certainly one of them. I like what I've seen from Wyatt Kalnuck. I like that what I've seen from him over... Some of the, the the blue liners that I expected a lot more from. Well, see, that's the thing, though. That's the double-edged sword, right? 
you know, it's great that these quote unquote, maybe role players or up and comers are, are catching your eye and impressing, but you still need the, the more skilled guys to, to be more consistent. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, and we saw Patrick Kane even fall off in the last couple of weeks in terms of, of it's wear and tear, mental wear and tear, trying to keep this young group together. But, you know, obviously we had some good news or optimistic news that Jonathan Taves will be ready to go next season. We'll talk about that, but you, you need more. Uh, I'm with you. I love Brandon Hagel. I love to see some of these guys who have been, you know, pretty consistent, but when it's all said and done, you need you need talent too. I mean, you just you need guys right. who or people around the league say, yeah, that that's what it looks like. There, there's a top six forward. You know, there's a top four D guy. Uh, here's Patrick Kane on what this young team learned from this playoff chase that they've been in. Just meaningful games, you know, uh, important for this group. Um, I think even now more than ever, it's important to uh, to finish strong here and. Um, you know, I think uh, there's still a belief in that locker room that, um, you know, we can go on a run here these last uh, eight games and uh, and make a push and, um, you know, see what happens. So it's all about regrouping and, and getting ready for the next game. I, I, I think that's what it is. I, I want to see down the stretch. I want to see fight. Mm-hmm. I, I love what I saw from Duncan Keith coming back last night uh, with a two-goal deficit trying to prevent an empty net goal. That, to me... Uh, it shows me a lot, and I, I, I think this team will show some fight down the stretch and make things somewhat interesting here. You know, I don't expect them to make the playoffs, but um, I, I want to continue to see players in high-leverage situations or in meaningful hockey games. Uh, I want to see how they perform, and I'm, I look at those games with a different lens than I look at games you know, the first month and two months into the season. Yeah, no doubt. You don't want them just to fold up the tent and say, well, we're done because we have a 2% chance to make the postseason. When Jeremy Colleton and we've also, you know, saluted and celebrated the, you know, the idea that he's selling grit and character and determination and, and want to and all that stuff. And they fully bought in, including Patrick Kane. Well, you, you know, prove it, but these last eight games, by playing your best hockey, where whatever that leads to in terms of wins, whatever, but, effort have a feel good have a, a a good feeling as you go into the off season to think yeah we we really put a foundation down this year that many may, many people maybe even in that room didn't expect to to build upon and moving forward we can accelerate this rebuild the hawks game was on nbcsn on wednesday night and during the first intermission uh nhl insider darren drager was on and he gave an update on jonathan taves health Well, look, uh, it's an assumption that Jonathan Taves is done for this regular season with the Chicago Blackhawks. Nobody close to Jonathan Taves is saying that definitively other than say he's very likely done for this season. But with fewer than 10 games remaining in the Hawks regular season, it seems very likely. The good news, of course, nobody is being specific to what's gone on with Jonathan Taves. The good news is that his health is getting better. He's seen improvement over the months. uh, And the expectation is that as long as he stays headed in the right direction, the direction that he's on right now, that he should be healthy and ready to return to the Chicago Blackhawks next season. Now, it has been a very challenging year for the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks, and by extension with his absence, it's been equally challenging for the Hawks in general. So that was Darren Drager on Wednesday night. Report there, it's pretty vague. There's not a lot of substance in that report, but here's where I stand on it. 
if you were in the camp that was listening to these uh, doomsday rumors and all the gossip out there, then I think that report was encouraging because it says he's getting better, that if he continues on this trajectory, he will likely return next year. So, you know, I think that would contradict some of the the rumors and the gossip that has been going on around his health. How did yeah, you how did you see it? Well, I'm with you, Pat. And look, I, I fully respect privacy and, and the tack the organization has taken. And Jonathan Taves has decided to just, you know, fight through this, whatever he's fighting through on his own. But when you don't have any information, people tend to let their minds run wild. And, oh, he's done for his career. He's this, that and the other thing. And because we have social media, everyone can have a platform to put it out there and it can get legs. So I'm with you because I wasn't, you know, it's encouraging to hear that he should be ready to go next year if everything continues and on the path that it apparently is. So that's good news because you're going to need him back. You're going to need Jonathan Taves back. I'm sure Patrick Kane is going to be there with open arms saying, you know, where's my, where's my running mate here? (laughs) Time for one timers. One timers. One timer by Albertson. He scores. On the hockey show. One time shot. On ESPN 1000. One more time. All right, Brian, lead us off with one timers. Yeah, look at this. The Minnesota Wild is. They've won six in a row, and uh, they're making a little noise. But we talked about it about a month or so ago. My old buddy Daryl Sutter. And the Calgary Flames have uh, putting the pressure on the Montreal Canadiens for that final playoff spot. And so um, it's good to see Daryl having some success with the Flames. And I guess I'm in the old camp that uh, original six teams like Montreal, they're kind of like the old Yankees. You like to see them struggle. So I'm a big Flames fan. You know, and you, it's funny you bring up uh, Minnesota. I was talking to Steve Conroy. He'll join us on the other side on the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Presented by Coors Light. Uh, break away from the nonstop chill. Uh, when they go back to their traditional central division next year, it's going to be tough. Minnesota has mm-hmm. improved. Nashville, we certainly don't have their number. Dallas, Colorado. St. Louis has dropped off this year, but maybe that's a blip after, you know, I, I, you know I'm not exactly sure some of the injuries they've had and whatnot, but... I, you know, Winnipeg, there's just no easy outs when they go back to that uh, traditional central division. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, because we thought it was between Minnesota and Dallas were the two models. And it, we thought like, oh, wow, well, we, if we get Minnesota, it's it's going to be a lot easier. And it turns out that uh, that was <laughs> not the case. Yeah. Be careful for what you wish. I will say this. And Stan Bowman said uh, in our conversation last week. Moving forward, when you go back to divisional play next year, I'm with him. I hope that they do take uh, some aspect of this COVID uh, schedule. And when you arrive in town, say Minnesota comes here, they stick around for an extra game, right? It's not home and away. Instead of teams picking up and leaving uh, immediately after a game, they stick around for a couple games and you get to see the rivalry intensify a little bit and uh, the adjustments that are made from the coaching staff game to game. And by then we're going to have full, full fans in the stands, hopefully. So it'll be a whole different dynamic. Speaking of that, it's my one time. Here. And uh, you know, the one thing I think Subban said it best on Wednesday night, the one thing that that comeback was lacking was 
a raucous crowd or at least some sort of fan participation, banging on the glass or uh, high-fiving in the stands. Um, Why aren't the Blackhawks having at least 10 or 15 or 20% of their fan base at the United Center? Everybody in the National Hockey League that, that is in the United States has allowed fans to uh, enter their arena in some fashion and order, socially distant, of course. I, I, I know I don't want to get political here. I know Mayor, Mayor Lightfoot mentioned it earlier in the week that she anticipates both the Hawks and the Bulls having some sort of fan situation at the United Center before the end of the season. Well, I mean... Uh, this just in the, the the regular season's over in a couple of weeks. So, like, when when is this going to start? I mean, and, and what a it would be so bizarre and unfortunate if the fans show up when they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. You know, they could have used those fans or some sort of energy to feed off of during this Nashville series. Like, well. well why, you know, I'm vaccinated. I don't know if you are yet, Brian, but, like, why couldn't they allow vaccinated fans to come in? It just seems like I I, I, I do feel I mean, at, the least Hawks... fam- at least family, I mean, at the minimum, right? You could have the players' family. Yeah, and-, and I think to a degree they, they have some of that, but it, it's... It's just, it's just bizarre that everybody else in the United States... Everybody ...in else. the NHL... Has has greenlit the uh, the participation of having fans again, some percentage, and like some are more than us. It's like some are like thirty percent and forty percent already. Now I'm not saying I'm, I'm more on the conservative side of things, but it, it just seems ridiculous that if I can go eat indoors, uh, socially distant, why can't I attend a game indoors, socially distant? I, I'm with. I, I mean, I'm with you. But welcome to Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, what? Give me the odds. Do you think we're going to see fans for the Bulls or the Blackhawks here the, in the next couple of weeks? I, I at some point I would. I wonder logistically. Look, if the Bulls make the playoffs, I would. I would assume they would open. You know, if they're allowed to, given the green light, they'll they'll open the doors and accommodate. But at this point, for the final couple home games. Does it make sense to even staff your concession stands? And, and well, it's got to be. They, they got to, you know, have the break-even point, right? They can't. They can't. Uh, right. I have, mean, at some uh, point, fans, it costs you, cost you more money to bring them in. Than exactly. It's worth. Exactly. Yeah. So, right. all right. Coming up on the other side, Steve Conroy will join us. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN One Thousand. You're listening to the Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Presented by Coors Light. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Presented by Coors Light. Break away from the non-stop chill. Hey, coming up, it's the Grip It and Sip It Classic. ESP 1000 and Coors Pure presents the first annual Grip It and Sip It Classic golf outing to benefit a live rescue of Chicago. It's Monday, June 7th at Seven Bridges Golf Club. We start selling spots on uh, Monday 
at um, May 3rd at 9 a.m. GripItAndSipItClassic.com is where you need to go. The cost is $300 for a twosome, $600 for a foursome. Golf with the ESPN Chicago team. Your admission includes lunch and dinner. We'll have contests on the course, prizes for the winners, raffle prizes, and a silent and live auction. It's sponsored by your your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Acura dealers, Ulta Equipment, Hawthorne Racecourse, and PointsBet Sportsbook and American Sale. It's presented by Coors Pure. Get more at GripItAndSipItClassic.com. You been out on the golf links much, uh, Brian? Uh, my slice is in mid-season form, uh, so yeah, it's frustrating. But that is Alive Rescue. That's a terrific organization, you know, saving animals and you know, adopting out dogs and and cats. And so, um, anyone who, who's an animal lover, you know, it's a great cause. So it's terrific that we're doing this. All right. So uh, at the end of the day, we're trying to get a hold of our buddy here, Steve Comroy. We, um, what was your you on the. Uh, Poll question. Give us what you have for the poll question and give us the results thus far. Uh, well, I, I voted optimistic. And okay. You could, you could go, I mean, it, look, in the like you said, you were going through the Nashville you know, grinder. So in the, uh, you just probably still feel like this week could have been a lot better and should have been. So if you're doing this emotionally, I could see why you would vote that you're less optimistic. But big picture, eight games remaining, as we said, as you said, sitting here final week of april that we're even talking about uh, a playoff team a team that was battling for the last you know three months to to be here um that's a that's a positive right this right. this could have been a hell of a lot uglier than it's been and so there are a lot of uh, a lot of things to be positive about but i would get why hawks fans are frustrated that your biggest week of the season and you know it, it's great you had the terrific comeback but when you're allowing uh, Nashville almost four goals a game, and you're sitting there under two goals a game for all your stretches of very good hockey. It, it, I, I get the frustration aspect, but I think big picture, I think it's more optimistic than pessimistic. But there's always a good reason to watch 17 seconds if you're going to go that way. <laughs> so the, here, here is the poll question: Given the Blackhawks' season so far, how do you feel about the team's future? Uh, more optimistic, less optimistic, or you're binge-watching 17 seconds. More optimistic is checking in right now with 57% of the vote. Less optimistic is at 29% of the vote. We talked about the bad matchup that the uh, the Nashville Predators uh, were for the Chicago Blackhawks. Just the one win in the eight meetings. Here's Patrick Kane on why the Preds are so tough to play against. They just work hard. They find ways to make us chase the game and you know they're so good uh you know structurally in the neutral zone where uh there's really not much space you know even if you dump it in their their demands way back and has some time to uh to uh get the puck back out so um a lot of chasing the puck a lot of chasing the puck um who are some of the guys that have stood out to you? Like Alex Dabrinkit has had an unbelievable season. Patrick Kane has been among the NHL leaders. Now, again, he's fallen off in, in goal scoring as of late, but the points have been there. The assists have been there all season long. And, oh, by the way, he's been playing with, you know, everybody. Well, everybody but young young rookies. I mean, Pew Suter has been his, his – uh, center for for most of the season uh he was been out there with kurashev another first year guy 
Uh, what have you thought of Kirby Dock since he returned uh, from the, the wrist injury well ahead of schedule? What, what have you thought? He probably had his best game on Wednesday night since he returned. But but what have you seen? Have you seen, oh, I don't know, maybe just some uh, – a, a timid approach when he's along the boards. What have you seen from yeah, Doc? I, look, I, I didn't expect to see him at all. So that that was a positive that, you know, he went through his rehab and he was willing to throw himself out there and, and they were able to, to give him the clearance to play. So that that's all good. It's not the Kirby Doc we saw last year by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. So I'm imagine uh, that wrist has still got to be barking a bit. I would think. It, it, and, yeah, I think it is because he talked about it being sore. I, I think timid's not fair. Uh, let me no, let me rephrase yeah. that. Cautious. I, I yeah. think it's. It just seems like you know he, he probably lacks a little bit of confidence because he's coming back. And you know, one thing is to put an injury in the rearview mirror, but if it is still sore and you're you're kind of fighting through that, like we saw last night, he got he got dinged up and he, he didn't miss a shift at all. Um, I just wonder if, you know, and he had all that success in the bubble, if he thought he was going to pick up right where he left off. And I really thought it was a tough situation to come back, you know, in three months from that surgery, which most thought it was going to take four to five, to have the pain and then to not have a training camp and be inserted in a playoff stretch I thought that was a tough situation for a young player to to deal with. And and, and look, I, I know hockey players are as tough as they come, right? I mean, you've seen guys take 30 stitches and miss one shift, right? Mm-hmm. And head out there, lose half their teeth and, and finish a game and not exaggerating. Would it be more prudent now that you're sitting here with a 2 or 3% playoff chance to shut them down? And And, you know, they know much more than we do about, how painful that wrist is and it, whatever they can do for it moving forward. I know he, he wouldn't want to hear that conversation, but would it benefit him more and the team uh, more moving forward to have him, you know, go back and make sure it gets healthier as soon as it can. What players have stood out to you as you've watched this Blackhawks team all season long? And I'm not talking about the, the Canes and the DeBrinkets. I'm talking about the guys that you didn't expect to uh, see a lot of production from. Maybe it was a Brandon Hagel. Maybe it was Kurashev or uh, Kubalik in his second season. How he has, uh, I think, picked up pretty much right where he left off from his rookie campaign when he finished as a finalist in the Calder Trophy race. Uh, what have you thought about the the recent addition of Vinny Hinestroza? Do you think they'll bring back Vinny? I, I mean, I think that's going to be you know, like the other thing, too, is you don't want to overreact to a smaller sample size. But, you know, by the by the end of this, we're going to probably have about 20 games or so that Vinny has played with the Blackhawks. And if he's right around that point per game production, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? If, right. if you can get him, uh, you know, again, on a on a reasonable contract. Well, not only that, you have the money. I mean, that's not an issue. He he fits his team in so many ways. But, I mean, he plays bigger than his size. Um, whatever wasn't working down in Florida is working just fine here, right? So I, why wouldn't you – he wants – I mean, he, he's a local guy. He seems to be – fit right in seamlessly with this group, and he's producing. Um, I, I'd, I'd certainly be 
more than happy to sit down and make sure, you know, they can get a contract done. Uh, Pew Suter, I think we talked a lot about him early on in the season, maybe not so much lately, but he's quietly put together a really solid season, right? And maybe he's not as active and, and not getting as many shots as he was earlier in the year and it wasn't as big a part of the offense. But whatever opportunities he's getting, I mean, just look at last night. He had two goals, two assists, uh, not including last night's game, two goals, two assists on eight shots during the five games since the trade deadline, right? Yeah. So, so he's producing on what he's getting. And he had a couple quality chances yesterday that you, he probably hoped, you know, would wish he would have buried one of those two. But um, I think that guy is a, a quiet kind of stabilizing uh, a force in, in terms of uh, moving forward. I've been impressed with Suter and Kurashev. I think they both sort of hit that rookie wall a few weeks back. I think they fought through it. I think they're on the other side of it now. Um, I do think the one area... And not just Suter and Kurashev need to improve here. This has got to be a team. They've got to improve at the faceoff dot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you look on a consistent basis. Uh, how, and again, part of that is not having Jonathan Taves, who's one of the best in the league at winning draws. But the, the, the rest of the centers struggle in that area. Camp probably leads the way. Uh, and he's out there for a lot of important um, Faceoffs, but too many times I'm looking at the stat sheet and it's sixty percent for the opposition, forty percent for the Hawks. And you you look at those as fifty fifty pucks, and giving the you know the, the, those are almost turnovers, so to speak. And that that's less time that you have the puck, and not to mention in, in big in big areas like mm-hmm. uh, the power play when or or the penalty kill for that matter. You lose those draws, exponentially is is more significant because then you need to retreat and get the puck that's been iced, and that takes twenty seconds off the power play time. So we'll get uh, we'll get final thoughts and we'll set the table for Xander and Brian's extravaganza, which follows the hockey show coming up next on ESPN One Thousand. You're listening to the Hockey Show presented by Coors Light. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Look, Hawks is going to be great tonight, yeah. right? This is it. This is do or die. I'd rather yep. watch hockey than that baseball game, but the baseball game does sound for a baseball game entertaining. By the way, watch Pat Boyle tonight, not only on NBC Sports Chicago for the pre and post and everything like that, but the hockey show tomorrow at 9 a.m. when they make fun of us. Yes, exactly. There's certain things we like to do on the hockey show on ESPN <laughs> 1000, presented by Coors Light, break away from the nonstop chill. And that is to uh, have a, a little uh, fun with our, our favorite afternoon show, Waddle and Sylvie, as uh, they, Cap, they talk Cap hockey and, like nobody else. Yeah, Cap and Jay Hood can't be the only foils for them. Right? So. <laughs> exactly. And I'm sure they're downloading the podcast as we speak. Uh, as soon as it's up in a couple minutes, we'll be uh, getting their hockey refresher course, so they'll have some things to talk about moving forward. Yeah, make sure you have the ESPN Chicago app. It has all the podcasts of all the shows, and you can listen live wherever you are. Um, what do you have coming up? You're going to be with uh, with Xander uh, for the next couple hours? Xander Rocker joining, uh, sitting in for Fred. A uh, lot to talk about, both sides of town. How about this? White Sox and Cubs sitting with identical identical ten and nine records, and Yerman Mercedes another terrific game last night. 
Wondering, uh, Sox fans, how you feel about your team being one game over 500 and how you've gotten here to this point. Uh, and also Cub fans sitting here 10-9 and two teams taking very different routes to get to the same exact record. And I would guess, my guess would be that on either side of town, they have different feelings about said teams because of what expectations were going into the season. So we'll talk about that. Jesse will join us to talk baseball top of the hour and um, NFL draft coming up. We'll dissect some of that. And you have to mention, speaking of Waddle and Sylvie, Steve McMichael joined them yesterday. Yes. And, um, I, go to chicagotribune.com or pick up the Tribune and, and read Dan Weeder's story. Steve McMichael is now been diagnosed with ALS and in the throes of that horrific disease. Uh, Pat, the strength I I see from people who go through this and that they're willing to talk about it and they keep their, their personality and sense of humor when every day is a living hell, it's absolutely amazing to me um, how strong some people are. So we'll bring back some of that interview as well. That interview that they had on Waddle and Sylvie yesterday with Mongo and his wife Misty was, mm. was incredible. And, and, and like you said, uh, Mongo still has that sense of humor and uh, the, those those quick one-liners um, to bring some levity to to a really difficult situation. But um, I, I and I'm 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 happy that he's sharing this with the public because I think some good will come of it. And again, there's a, a GoFundMe page uh, for Mongo and his family and what they're dealing with because. Uh, uh, the, the cost of health care for this disease is uh, is tremendous. And, and God bless Misty. I mean, yes. to be a caretaker and the strength it takes. And, and Steve talks about it, that, you know, how, how he feels bad for her. I mean, he's going through it, but she's going through it every bit as much. And what it takes to to make his life as easy as it can be, uh, given, given that he can't really do many things for himself anymore. It's it's unbelievably emotional, and um, anyone who's been around uh, Steve, and he's been part of the ESPN 1000 family forever. So we all know him. We all feel like we know him, whether we've met him or not. And um, it's just, um, you know, prayers and, and strength to, to he and his wife. Xander and Brian are coming your way next. My thanks to our producer, Tyler Aki. want to thank our guest, uh, the one and only Steve Conroy. Oh, wait, he, he didn't show. Gosh, if I only knew this guy and worked with him all the time. Uh, my, he's uh, probably taking one of his kids to... No, I think he was practice. hanging out with Hub Arkish. I, I really think that was the case. <laughs> uh, hey, Brian, have a great week. Uh, Hawks back in action on Tuesday yeah, against Tampa Bay. Yeah. And uh, we will reconvene next Saturday at 9 a.m. for the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000.